This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, and I'm here today with Rick DeLisi, who is an author of a new book that we'll talk about, and I'm really happy to have Rick join us today. Rick, uh, introduce yourself to our listeners, please. Hey, Bob, great to join you. And you and I share the same passion for customer experience and great customer service interactions. And that's what I've been working on for the last couple of decades. I'm among the creators of the customer effort score. Anybody who's familiar with the idea of measuring customer effort that came from a book I wrote with my teammates at a company called CEB called The Effortless Experience. So we learned through our research into customer experience that asking a customer about their effort, especially following a service interaction, is a nearly perfect predictor of their future loyalty. And so I've been studying customer experience through the lens of customer effort for the past 15 years or so. And now we have just come up with a brand new book that I've co-authored with my new teammate, Dan McKelly, who's the CEO of a company called Glia, a software company. And our book is called Digital Customer Service. So it takes many of the same ideas that we first explored in the effortless experience, but carries them through to all the changes that we've seen in the digital world, not just the behavioral changes that customers are all experiencing, but even the psychological and sociological changes. There's been a whole lot that's changed in even just the last couple of years, and it, it is time for the companies of the world to adapt the way they serve customers based on those sociological and psychological changes through technology that's now available to any company. That's excellent, Rick. And I uh, am really excited that Rick is joining because I'm a huge advocate of the customer effort score. The effortless experience was inspirational to me. And I, and I advocate frequently uh, with the organizations that I've worked for or the clients that I consult with to pursue the customer effort score. And in fact, uh, recently wrote an article about everybody's so focused on MPS. There's so much else we could be focused on, including um, different ways to measure our performance. And I view CES as one of those. So we'll, we'll get into that and, and also get into more details about Rick's new book. But before we do that, Rick, our audience, and, and I am always curious as to how does somebody get to where you are today? What's that career path? Did you wake up you know, one day early on and say, this is what I want to be? Did you stumble into it? I'm always curious as to how our guests arrive at where what they're doing today in this area of customer service. Well, the reality of my career path, Bob, is that I've been hit by the lucky stick about four separate times in my career. You know how they say luck is the residue of design? 
Not true in my case, because <laughs> I didn't design any of it. But uh, about 20 years ago, I was working for a startup airline operating out of Washington, D.C. called Independence Air, the largest startup airline in the history of the aviation business. And long story short, Independence Air became another one of the tombstones in the airline graveyard. Here, here's an ironic note about Independence Air. We had the highest customer satisfaction rating of any U.S. domestic airline, and we won that award a month after the company had gone out of business. Mm. So an, an ironic twist to a company that was noted for an amazing customer experience, but was unable to rise above the competitive landscape and the rising fuel prices at that time and economically just never worked out. But through that experience, I got connected with the people who were part of a company called CEB, a research company that, among other things, was doing some really interesting progressive research into customer experience. And I got lucky enough to meet up with those people and join their mission. That's where the Effortless Experience book came from. And now, over just the course of the last year, I have now segued to a new employment, to a new company, again, this company called Glia that has created a software platform that is, in fact, the ultimate effortless experience in the digital first world. So again, a lot of this is just the luck and the dint of timing that I happen to be fortunate to meet the right people at the right time. But it may feel as if my journey is linear. And, and in retrospect, it was, but it certainly wasn't based on any specific design. <laughs> well, and, and uh, luck is certainly okay in a career process for sure, Rick. Uh, thanks. Thanks for that summary. Rick, one of the um, comments that you've made uh, is about the evolution of customer service. And you talk about it starting in the 80s and moving forward. What has been the evolution of customer service from your perspective? So part of the exercise of creating the book is uh, Dan McKelly and I decided to do something that we learned has never been done before, to graph the overall assessment and the reputation of customer service since the advent of the first call centers. And by the way, unless you're about as old as I am, and Bob, I'm guessing we're probably in a similar age group. <laughs> I'm thinking so, Rick, yes. <laughs> Call centers are still a relatively new thing. The very first call centers were only initiated in the mid-1980s. And at that time, the idea of being able to call a company, and by the way, using a toll-free number. Bob, I wonder if you can remember when that seemed like, wow, a toll-free number? You mean I can call a company directly and talk to somebody in customer service at no charge? That was considered a huge value add. So if you start back at the advent of call centers, the overall reputation of customer service was very high. But about a decade later, as companies started to scale back their overall cost of customer service, and particularly as more and more companies began to use an outsourcing model and began to use non-company employees to handle their telephone customer service, the reputation and the overall arc of the customer experience tumbled downward into a trough. Well, a few years later, there was a new peak in customer service as the advent of self-service came along. 
And again, depending on how old you are, you might not remember that there was a time that companies had to convince customers to use customer service. There was a whole lot of research being done into adoption. How can we get people to serve themselves? Well, it didn't take long before customers not only got used to the idea of self-service, but began to enjoy it and even request it and at some level demand it. And that created yet another trough, which we called the Valley of Expectations. Because customers now generally have this sense that they should be able to go on their mobile phone or on their laptop or tablet and get anything they want or solve any problem they want without ever having to do anything other than press a few buttons and interact with their own screens. But we both know, Bob, that in reality, while certainly there are many, many more issues that can be resolved entirely in self-service, we'll never get to the point, no matter how digital companies become, we'll never get to the point where every single interaction can be done entirely without any human intervention. But here's the problem. In today's world, that human intervention means you as a customer invariably start your service journey online, whether it's on a website or a mobile app, get as far as you can get before you then realize, oh man, I can't complete this assignment. I can't continue to fulfill this function or solve this problem or go through this process without some kind of human help. And so what do you have to do? Stop everything you were doing, abandon your entire digital journey, find a phone number and start the process all over again. This disconnect between the digital and live customer service experiences is now, we believe, the leading cause of customer effort in this digital first world in which we all live. So this is the biggest problem that companies have to overcome. How can we get away from using the phone at all? Now, of course, that always sounds to people like, how can we get out of the business of interacting with people? But the, the point of our book, Digital Customer Service, is that we've now entered a world where technology and psychology have combined to create the kind of customer experience where if a customer needs help, even in the middle of what they would have thought was a self-service journey, instead of having to stop their whole interaction and start all over again on the phone, what if a customer service rep joined that customer on their own screen? And that change, the difference between having to make a phone call to talk to a person versus an agent coming on your screen in the middle of your own digital interaction is an absolutely different experience and changes everything when it comes to customer reaction, customer loyalty, and the overall satisfaction of the experience. It's a big difference. Rick, this is breakthrough thinking. And, and let me give you a couple of reactions. First of all, I'm not sure if they're memories or nightmares about the toll-free and self-service <laughs> examples. I, I mean, I do remember sitting in conference rooms trying to debate whether we could afford to provide an 800 number and how often would it be used and doing in-depth analysis about toll-free numbers. And then having those same discussions about self-service and we could but it was all about how much cost could we cut if we move people to self-service. Right. We talked rarely about the experience. But this concept that you're talking about, uh, about an a, a agent coming on the line as part of your digital experience, 
with uh, with so much noise out there about AI and bots and and having it completely online, you're really talking about some breakthrough approaches here to improving the experience. Yeah, we categorize in our book three different strategies, and, and let me lay them all out. They're pretty simple once you understand the difference. The first one is called digital also. So that means we have a call center. We primarily interact with customers on the phone when they need help, but we also have a number of other digital options that are available to them. That's digital also. There's an aspirational strategy called digital only, meaning you never talk to a person, and that's what you're describing. Bots handle everything. Everything is self-service. I never talk to another human being, and I would never need to talk to another human being. That sounds aspirational. It's just not realistic. By the way, it's also not optimal either because we both know, and probably everybody who's listening to this podcast knows, there are some kinds of issues and some situations in which human contact is in the best interest of both the customer and the company. The strategy that we're recommending is called digital first. And in that strategy, customers begin the process of resolving any issue or going through any process that they want to or getting whatever they want. They start online. That's what we all do. By the way, even if you're calling a phone number, where do you get that number from? You get it from a website or you get it from Google. So the assumption is that every customer starts their interaction online. But if they need help, instead of having to stop that whole digital experience and start a whole new phone experience, the entire thing is seamless. And so if I need help, an agent appears on my screen or I press a button to invite the agent into my digital experience. And the agent then already knows who I am because I've been authenticated through the system. They already have a pretty strong idea of exactly what it is I'm trying to accomplish based on my browsing history or where I am on your website at that time. And they join me, the customer, in the middle of my journey, on my screen, in the middle of my journey. So here's a comparison. Picture the same two people, a customer and an agent, having a conversation to resolve an issue. In one scenario, the customer started online, then had to stop everything they were doing online, find a phone number, wait in the IVR queue, go through a bunch of choices, listen to the on-hold music, and eventually talk to the agent. In the other scenario, the agent joins the customer right in the middle of the customer's own digital journey. So the, the phrase that we've been using and that we use in our book is, it's the same two people, it's the same exact conversation, but it's a completely different experience. And this is what we think of as the ultimate effortless experience in today's digital first world. That's amazing, um, Rick, and, and just fascinating to bring those together. Listeners, you're listening to Rick DeLisi, my guest today, co-author of the new book, Digital Customer Service. And Rick, it, it seems too good to be true. Like I'm sitting here going as a customer, thinking to myself, holy macro, that would be fantastic if that happened, right? Because it overcomes so many problems within the experience today. What's going to make this possible? What's going to make this a reality uh, uh, for organizations to take on this mantra and make it happen? 
Yeah, Bob, as we were writing the book, there were many moments where it even felt to me like I was writing about some aspirational vision of the future. There were times I felt like I'm writing the narration for Jeremy Irons, who's going to be doing this for some Epcot exhibit where you talk about the customer service of the future. This is a reality. Everything that we describe in the book is already happening. Mm. There are hundreds of companies that have already adopted this DCS model that we're describing. And it is available to companies of all shapes and sizes. This is not something that's only available to Amazon and Zappos and you know, the, the big tech companies. This is not something that's available only to Fortune 500 companies. This technology and everything that we're describing is now available to literally any organization. And if you'd like to get into it, what, what's amazing about it is that it is way more cost-effective than any other service model that companies are using right now. So this is not some hope or wish or aspiration. This is not the future, this is the present. Perhaps it's then bringing the various elements together, Rick, is that what you're suggesting? That we're looking at them almost as siloed yes. uh, capabilities? We dispel in the book three myths that we think are holding companies back from true digital transformation of their customer service operations. And one of them is digital transformation means we need to add every channel and we need to be an expert in every channel and every new channel of communication. And what we've learned is that transformation isn't about adding channels. It's about seamlessness. It's about enabling a customer to enter your customer service universe through whatever channel they choose. But once they're in, the system then automatically connects them to the best experience that that customer could need for the exact issue that that customer is trying to resolve at that time. Sometimes that's using bots and a, an, an electronically guided self-service experience. Sometimes it's interacting with an agent. Sometimes it's taking care of all the preliminary details through bots, and then an agent joins and wraps up the conversation. Sometimes the agent joins the conversation early on and helps the customer figure out how to do things on their own. Then the agent can leave and the customer can finish on their own. So it's not so much a matter of which customer a company is interacting with, but what has that customer come to your digital property to do? And the experience can then be tailored to the exact issue or the exact process the customer is trying to engage in and then create the perfect experience. So what we talk about is the right interaction with the right customer at the right time. And now that can all be done electronically and seamlessly. That's so important. The, the, um, the, the three rights that you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Rick, one of the um, ongoing debates when we talk about subjects like customer digital customer experience or customer experience in general is, well, I'm B2B and that's for B2C or I'm B2B2C and that doesn't apply to me. I, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on that. I, I certainly have an opinion that, that this seems to trans uh, uh, transform against all three and can, and can certainly be effective in all three. But what's your, what are your thoughts on that? If you're a B2B company, who are your customers? 
Well, well, the obvious answer is, well, our customers are other companies. Well, no company ever interacted with your customer service people. Only human beings do. And when you think about it, the expectations and the reaction to any customer service interaction on the part of a person who is an employee of a company, so in a B2B scenario, the human being that customer service is interacting with, their expectations and their reaction to that experience are founded almost exclusively based on that person's own customer experiences. So the difference between B2B or B2C interactions, we believe, becomes more blended every year because it's still human beings you're talking to. You're not talking to a company. You're talking to a person. And what that person expects has been now shaped by all of the excellent and poor customer experiences that person has had in their own personal life. We call it the A to Z phenomenon. Customer expectations have been founded by the best digital experiences that that person has had, largely created by companies like Amazon and Zappos. So the A to Z phenomenon. I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. Rick, in your book, you talk about um, business leaders needing to balance three critical priorities, creating an excellent experience, for customers, it increases loyalty and profitability, driving down the cost of customer service and support while increasing revenue through sales interactions and then moving quickly towards the goal of digital transformation. I really think those nail those priorities really well. How does your book help deliver against those priorities? So in all the research that we did and talking to the, the people who are involved in this DCS platform, this digital transformation to a digital first on-screen experience for their customers. What they're saying is that those three goals, which used to be thought of as three separate things, lower the cost to serve, increase the customer experience and ideally improve customer loyalty and digital transformation of our company and our service operation are in fact just one thing. The companies that have moved in this direction are saying we're accomplishing all three of these simultaneously. So let's break it down for just a second. How does it reduce cost to serve? Well, again, anytime a customer can be guided through a self-service experience that requires no human intervention, that of course is a very economical interaction for the company. That makes total sense. But even in situations where some kind of human intervention is required or would be preferred by either the customer or the company or both, when the agent joins the customer in the middle of their interaction and doesn't have to go through all the steps of authentication, it doesn't have to ask the customer, how can I help you? Because the agent already knows. It doesn't have to start from the beginning of the interaction because the customer's not at the beginning. They're well into the middle of their interaction. By the time an agent joins the conversation, those conversations are shorter. And so Average handle time, although seeming like an archaic measure of efficiency, is still at some level the cost of how, how much, how many minutes are we spending dealing with this one customer? Minutes that we have to pay a live employee to engage in. So if you can reduce the amount of time that it takes to resolve an issue, of course, that's more economically efficient. 
but it's also a far better experience for customers. Again, this kind of seamless on-screen experience is the ultimate effortless experience for customers because they don't have to do anything other than what they were already doing and just press a button and invite an agent into their conversation when that's required. So that's a far better experience. And we know from all of our work on the effortless experience, if a customer says that was a far, that, that, that experience, that resolution was far less effort than I thought it was going to be, that customer is almost guaranteed to continue to be loyal to that company. As far as digital transformation goes, you know, when you think about most other functions of most other big companies, B2B or B2C, almost everything's digital right now, except for customer service, which is only somewhat digital. So lower cost to serve, better experience and higher loyalty, pushing forward toward digital transformation. What we're describing, again, is all three of those things at the same time. Rick. Thank you. That That's very helpful in terms of building out those three priorities. Have you found in your research and in your analysis, are there one or two barriers that seem to be rising to the surface about why companies or more organizations aren't doing what you're suggesting? Because you've you said it's a reality. Are, are there barriers that are preventing companies from not doing more uh, to move towards digital transformation of their customer service organization? Bob, the biggest, the biggest barrier, the biggest obstacle is that this term digital transformation or even the lowercase generic term digital customer service, picturing that as a generic phrase, means so many different things to so many different people we did, did a section in the book called monster nouns. Monster nouns are terms that every company uses, but their meaning and interpretation of value is so variable that two people could be using the same exact term, but using it in completely different ways and be talking past each other or talking over each other. Digital customer service is a monster noun. And one of the reasons that it feels like a barrier to many companies is because as soon as companies think about digital customer service, the first thought is, yeah, but that means we'll never talk to our customers again. We'll lose that human connection. Digital almost always feels like the opposite of human. But what we're describing here, when a customer has a need to interact with an agent, if that interaction occurs in the midst of and in the context of their digital journey that that customer initiated themselves on a website or app, it's a more human experience because the agent doesn't have to ask, how may I help you? Or what are you trying to accomplish? Or what are you trying to do on our website? Because the agent already knows. So this is about using technology to allow humans to become even more human. This is about using bots to take care of all the detail work so that the agent can be a real hero. So when you talk about digital customer service, the biggest barrier is that to many companies, it feels like that means we'll completely lose touch with our customers. We won't have the opportunity to create loyalty building experiences. We won't have the opportunity to be able to describe additional goods and services that we might be able to upsell to customers. We'll lose the potential of having a relationship with our customers if we go 
toward digital transformation. And what we're discovering is that the exact opposite is true. If you tra transform to what we're describing as the DCS model, this model where all interactions occur on my screen and at my request, and an agent joins me in the middle of my digital interaction, when that happens, it's more human and it creates a better relationship. So the idea that digital customer service means getting away from having human interaction is the biggest barrier. I, I'm always fascinated by the preconceived notions we have um, that block us from doing something as impactful as what you're suggesting. Uh, it, it just always amazes me. Uh, I love the monster nouns too, Rick. I'm, I'm going to have to read more about those. There's so many of them. Here, here's a few more. Culture, right? Every company talks about how important culture is. And of course it's important, but what is culture exactly? And how can companies influence it exactly? Are we makers or takers when it comes to culture? So culture is a monster noun. Innovation is a monster noun. Every company wants to be innovative, but what does that mean exactly? And how do we operationalize innovation? Thought leadership is another one. We want to be thought leaders. Well, what does that mean exactly? And, and how do you do it? And how can you do it in a way that's helpful to somebody else instead of being just self-serving? So the corporate world is rife with these monster nouns. There are things that every company wants to accomplish, and, and they're all good things. But unless you're able to very specifically define them, it's real easy for people to get lost in misinterpretation or variable interpretation. And digital customer service or digital transformation of service is a massive monster noun that without absolute clarity and without absolute definition and without an agreed upon lexicon, we're all just talking about the same words, or we're using the same words to talk about very different things. And one of the things that we hope to accomplish with our new book is to provide something like a lexicon and standard terminology and definitions and descriptions of exactly what digital transformation is, and more importantly, what it isn't. Listeners, if this uh, conversation with Rick hasn't enticed you to go out and buy his new book. I'm not sure what will do it because uh, this is a fascinating new approach to customer service and one that I think uh, really uh, is heading us towards revolutionizing. Even though, as Rick said earlier, there are organizations doing it today, there are many more that could benefit from the concepts, principles, and and uh, strategies that Rick has um, has described for his new book. R Rick, before we leave, I always, uh, before we leave this, this great conversation, I always like to have our guests have the opportunity to provide our listeners with, with final thoughts that they may have about the topic we've been discussing or any advice or counsel you might give to our listeners who want sure. to embark on this journey. I mean, for anybody who has CX as part of their title or a part of their mandate or a part of their passion. Every one of us, if asked the following question, would raise our hands. And that is, is your company trying to become more customer centric? Well, we all are. We all know that that's the key to creating a great experience, not just to think about our customers, but to think like our customers. That's the key to customer centricity. Well, 
you can't claim to be customer centric if your company is still allowing or forcing tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of your customers to call you on the phone. A phone-based experience is no longer customer-centric because that's not how we live our lives anymore. We live in an on-screen world for information, for entertainment, for guidance, for assistance of all kinds. Our first reaction is to go to a screen, either our mobile phone, a laptop, or a tablet. We live in an on-screen world. So if your company is still living in a phone-centric world when it comes to customer service, or if you're still enabling or accepting or allowing tens or hundreds of thousands of customers to call you on the phone, that's not customer-centric anymore. A customer-centric experience lives the way customers live, on their screens. So think about it that way. If you still have a phone number on your website, you're not a customer-centric company anymore. But there's no need to have a phone number on your website. If a customer needs help, press a button, and they're immediately talking to an agent on the customer's screen. That's customer centricity. Outstanding words of wisdom from Rick DeLisi as someone who has been in this business a number of years and, and has really urged us all as customer experience and customer service professionals to transform the way we approach how we serve our customers. Rick, thanks for your time today and joining us on today's podcast. Thanks, Bob. And so happy to be part of this whole movement of people who all of us get that if we don't transform the way we're doing business, we're, we're falling behind. We all recognize it. We all can see just how different the world is and how different customer behavior is. It's great to know that there is now an opportunity to change the way you're doing business, to modernize, to contemporize, and to stay on pace with the evolution that customers have undergone as we now are living in a digital first world. Thank you, Rick. Rick's book is available on Amazon as well as other sources, so be sure and get your copy today. Listeners, this has been another episode of All Things Considered CX with your host, Bob Asman. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your networks. And of course, always stay tuned for another episode of our podcast with great and interesting guests, much like Rick. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.